back to the Untold Immigration Podcast, the show where we deep dive into the immigration system in the United States. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Untold Immigration Podcast. You're here with Don and Brian, as always. So it's 2020, and it's still crazy times. (laughs) So what's been going on with you, Don? What's new? Well, other than my dogs barking in the background, (laughs) uh, I guess the sheltering in place, you get all the home sounds. Um, You know, just another week, another crazy week of sad illegal alien stories. Um, Yeah. I guess magnified this week. Uh, I know, you know, we don't like to time these things, but just so our... No, comment, have some have some content uh, earlier today, or I guess it was yesterday. Um, Joe Biden, you know, picked Kamala Harris to be his running mate. Um, she, who wants to give everybody amnesty, health insurance, and everything else under the sun um, at taxpayer expense for those here illegally, and of course, no border security, which will only bring you know, more people <laughs> to right. come and pick up the goodies. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty uh, disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know how that's a, it. well, it's absolutely disgusting. And, I, and that's a good point to kind of touch on real quick, but I kind of cut you off. I apologize, but I just like to remind people when, when we talk about this, you know, they always talk about, you know, open borders and, and everything else and how, this is going to help stop illegal immigration and, you know, whatever excuse they use. But if you really think about it, what she's advocating for is just really not the welcome mat. So no enforcement. And we're going to give you even more freebies, right? More healthcare, more welfare, right? More of everything. So, you know, they talk about this problem, like they don't have anything to do with it. And, and that's because it's in the news right now. It's so frustrating to hear, you know, her, her say, and she's not the only one, but they say stuff like that. And it's like, do you have any idea what kind of consequences are when you tell the entire world that if you just get over the border, we're going to give you free everything. We're going to give you everything for free that you can't have in your own country. And you're going to get it consequence free and even a tax refund. If you have a bunch of kids, like <laughs> I, people don't, I wanted to touch on that because people don't think about that a lot of times. And I just want to remind everybody that saying that stuff is such a huge incentive to, to come here illegally that it's, if we were to stop that nonsense, if we could snap our fingers tomorrow and stop all those incentives, we would reduce this problem drastically. I mean, it wouldn't stop hundred percent, but it, it would stop dramatically if we stopped giving out freebies like that, but nobody ever wants to talk about that. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> It really has to come from the bottom up because too many, all of the Democratic politicians and too many of the Republican ones uh, benefit by illegal immigration. And so they, they have very little reason to do anything. And unless the public starts screaming and saying enough is enough, um, they're not going to do it. The, The problem is the public doesn't really understand and if anything, the public looks, you know, they're, they're told that these people contribute to the economy, they don't commit any crime, they take jobs Americans won't 
won't take. Um, they're nice people. They work hard. And, I'll, you know, many of them are nice people and many of them work hard. But that's not the condition to be allowed to immigrate into the country. Right. Um, and, and it certainly doesn't outweigh um, the crimes, the cost. Um, the, you know, they do take people's jobs. And I was cracking up last week when I was looking at an article about uh, DACA um, and how they were working, you know, and so many of the, um, you know, like first responder jobs with this, uh, you know, nurses and all these, you know, all these different things. Right. I mean, good, good things and happy they're doing it. But I'm reading and I'm thinking, oh, are those jobs Americans won't do? Yeah, exactly. And particularly now, there are so many doctors and nurses and healthcare workers out of work because the hospitals had to close up their, you know, their other business other right. than the coronavirus part. So a lot of these people got laid off. Well, they would obviously, you know, do that. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're decent jobs. Um, and they're being held by people that shouldn't be here. All the while we'll be being told that, well, they're doing jobs that people, you know, other people won't do. And some of them may be, but certainly not the DACA recipients. They can get any job they want. And, um, and, you know, uh, people in many instances want to hire them so they can say, oh, um, I've hired DACA kids and they're wonderful. Well, they may be wonderful, but they shouldn't be the first one hired. Right. So even the good stuff is more bad than it is good. It's just a little better than the bad stuff where, yeah, maybe the guy's washing dishes at night but he's robbing houses in the daytime. <laughs> so. No, that's a good point. And, you know, I've, they always make that argument, but I, I have yet to see numbers on how many DACA recipients actually have high-end jobs like that. I, I suspect it's very few, you know, I, but I haven't seen any numbers. So, you know, again, what are we, what are we talking about here? You know, they're close to, what is it? 850, 900,000 DACA recipients. I think at last count somewhere in there close to a million, maybe. So, you know, are they all nurses and are they all doctors or are they, you know, is it 1%, 2%? Because they kind of defeat, like you said, it kind of defeats their own argument, you know, of what well, they're doing. They're doing jobs. Americans won't do. Well, okay. Like you said, time out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I did see, I mean, I have no idea if the numbers any good or not. I just did see it in a, yeah in an article that 29,000 were considered to be in jobs that were essential. Okay. Okay. So, you know, um, 29,000 out of 850,000. That's about 3%. Yeah. And again, uh, if those jobs opened up, (laughs) you know, many of them would, you know, many Americans would, be thrilled to have some of those jobs, if not, if not all of them. Um, So, you know, they just happened to be there when the whole thing started. And, uh, but again, you know, I mean, I see that and I've written a few times when, you know, some of these politicians will go and yes, you know, Maria over here is a DACA recipient and she's our, you know, uh, director of communications. And I'm like, Oh, and that's a job that 
an American wouldn't do. Right. <laughs> you know, so you know, absolutely. You know, and, and I think the other part of it too is they always like to pull out anecdotes. You know, oh, you know, so and so is like you said, communications director. You know, so and so is a doctor. Okay, fine. Like that's all fine and great and whatever, but you're using them as a justification to essentially wipe out almost all immigration law. So <laughs> there are tens of millions of legal aliens in the country and you're, you're trying to tell us that every one of them is, you know, a valedictorian. Like I, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> and, and that's so frustrating about this because it, it's a, it's something you repeat all the time. You know, it's, it's the same thing constantly. Oh, they're, like you said, they're here to work. They're, they're just going to school, you know, just this, just that. Okay. But you're, they're profiling their clientele the same way they accuse us of, of doing it. You know, they often say, well, not every illegal alien is a criminal. Well, that's true. Then not every illegal alien is a rocket scientist, but it doesn't seem to go that way with them. You know, it's like, Oh, you, you can't, <laughs> you can't talk about them like that. They're, they're, they're all, they're all good people. Like, well, no, it's, it's one or the other. Either we can all profile and stereotype, every person of a particular group or nobody can because it, it's not, it's not either or. And, and that's, I mean, one of the many things that's so frustrating about this. Um, and, well, when you, you know, when you, <laughs> I know when I've gotten into discussions with people about DACA and, you know, they all say, you know, they were brought here on through no fault of their own. And, you know, for the most part, I'll say that's okay. That's true statement. And, and I'll usually come back and say, okay, well, then what are we going to do about the people whose fault that it was? Right. Which is their parents. Oh, well, you can't deport them. You'd, you'd be separating families. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, so the ones who came here through no fault of their own get to stay, and the people who committed the crime in the first place get rewarded? Right. And, and, and again, and which people don't talk about a lot, is that most of these DACA recipients are adults. Right. <laughs> you know, we're not talking about, oh, they're five, six, seven-year-old kids. Most of them are adults, and adults very often leave their parents <laughs> and, and go elsewhere. Right. And if, you know, if they were allowed to stay, well, fine. They can go visit their parents in whatever country they're from. But their parents don't get to stay. Again, as you said at the beginning, you know, we keep incentivizing. So <laughs> if you're incentivizing people to do that and you have no controls over whether they're telling the truth or not, so you're going to have a flood of people coming in with kids that happen to fit. They may not even be their kids, <laughs> right. but happen to fit in the right age group. And they, oh, he's, we've been here for 10 years. And so-and-so was born before this date or after that date. So we should all stay. Um, it's just the truth, you know, yeah. nobody wants to hear the truth. Well, the it's, it's very it, unaware of it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It, and like you said, it, it's an incentive, you know, and, it, and it's not, I mean, you have to enforce the law. There's no doubt, no question, but you know, when you're talking about DACA kids, it's like, okay, if we let this million group of kids stay well then what's to stop the next million or two million or five million group of kids from coming across because they're going to look at that and say well they got to stay 
So if we just get to the United States, then we're going to get to stay. So, you know, it'll be our turn next. Um, and the other example I like to use is if, if my parents broke into a house that we didn't own and had kids in the house or even brought me into the house when I was a child and eventually we got caught in the house that we didn't own, would we get to stay in the house? Right. That, that doesn't make any sense. When I get to stay in the house. No, it's not my house. My parents broke the law. <laughs> I didn't break into the house, but my parents brought me there. But that still doesn't mean that my presence in that house isn't illegal. And I mean, just if you take it a step further, think of the chaos that would be caused if we just said, you know what, if you break into a house and you have kids or you break into the house with your own kids, then you get to stay in the house. Like what kind of chaos would that cause? I mean, does, does anybody honestly think that millions, millions of people wouldn't just start breaking into whatever house they could find? Like, well, I have kids, I'm here. You try to argue one point and then there are 10 other points that come up that are equally ridiculous. And, you know, it, it's almost like trying to argue with like a flat earther or something. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we're not even, we're not even talking about the same thing sometimes, you know, and, and so many times, at least when it comes to immigration, you know, that, people take this stuff so personally and they, they take it, they make it such a part of their identity that they're not even willing to listen to anything that contradicts what they believe, you know? And so many people, they believe this stuff to their core and they're not even willing to not necessarily even agree, but they're not even willing just to even consider <laughs> another point of view. And I mean, that's frustrating on a lot of levels too, because it, it's like, have we lost the art of conversation? You know, why can't we talk to, why can't we talk to the people that we disagree with? You know, it doesn't mean that we all have to agree or it doesn't mean that, you know, one of us has to prove the other one wrong or whatever it is. But, you know, when it, especially when it comes to immigration, it's like people don't even want to talk. They don't even want to, they don't even want to listen. And it's, that, that's a huge problem <laughs> on a lot of levels. But I think that's, I think it's one of the reasons why we're in the position we're in is that people just aren't willing to communicate. And that's, that's sad. You know, I, I think we're seeing a lot of side effects in other parts of the country from that same problem <laughs> um and i i don't know what the answer is to that i don't know how to fix that you know but i mean that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was just to to try to get some information out there so hopefully people would listen and and try to you know open their mind a little bit and say you know maybe i don't know everything um and, and i hope <laughs> i hope we can do it we're trying yeah well i you know and i, I i'm as we do these things, I'll get tagged as the, you know, the media killer. <laughs> but again, it's the same thing. If, if they don't do it, if they won't have um, conflicting voices yeah. when they're doing stories or opposing viewpoints to whatever, you know, if they have, if they, although I'm a commentator, well, but if you don't have an opposing viewpoint, the general public never hears it. Um, I know the, uh, when I have had, and it's usually an online conversation, so you don't even know who the hell you're talking to, but you nail somebody a couple of times and they just drop off. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they end up, well, you're a racist and then they don't respond to anything anymore. But that's not really, you know, you can't, have a conversation one at a time <laughs> and think you're going to, you know, you're going to do anything. Um, but the, you know, the, the real thing would be, 
and I've believe me, I've done this. I've challenged many shows that I'll debate anybody you want. Yeah. I'll do it on your terms, your, you know, your grounds just won't do it. (laughs) And I think they won't do it because they know, particularly the news people, they know they're wrong. They just, it's to them, it's not right or wrong. It's a position that they're either required to maintain. You know, it was funny the other day I saw, and it wasn't immigration related, but it's the only person at MSNBC who's ever communicated with me. And it, and there was a story that Chuck Todd, who you know does Meet the Press on NBC on Sunday, and then his Meet the Press during the week um, on MSNBC, that he was going to be replaced by um, uh, Nicole Wallace. <laughs> now, just forgetting the, the the people for a minute, or forgetting their you know specific things. Here you've got a ex-Republican, I forget what her job was in the Bush Bush administration, pushing aside a lifelong journalist. (laughs) Um, Now, why was that? Well, because they needed another woman. (laughs) And Nicole Wallace hates Trump um, and believes, you know, that he's destroyed the Republican Party. But be that as it may, they were they were going to sacrifice him. And I wrote him in response. I wrote him a little note, basically, you know, that old uh, saying, you know, first they came for the, you know, and then, you know, and I said nothing. And now they came for me. (laughs) I'm like, all right, Chuck, now they're coming for you. And they did extend her show and stick him in a worse time spot with Meet the Press. Um. And it's purely because of it's you know political correctness. <laughs> now whether you know they, they decided not to cut him off, but I mean, I mean that that's that's sort of like you know telling you know oh Mr. Hanks we're replacing you in this movie with Bob Smith, <laughs> no because we think he'd be better in the role. <laughs> Um, there's no way, and I'm not saying whether you like what he, she says or he says or this or that, but there's no way that she's more qualified to host meet the press than he is. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, MSNBC has to do it. Look, they did the same thing. Chris Matthews got booted. Um, and maybe he deserved to, maybe he was becoming too fossilized, but Nonetheless, he got booted, and they replaced him with Joy Reid, and I mean, she's horrible. She's the great, most racist person on TV, um, and they gave her this primo spot, of which you know her ratings were really good on day one, and then immediately tanked. And it'll be interesting to see what are, what are they going to do with her? Oh, she's a black woman. We can't fire her. <laughs> we can't move her someplace else. So none of this follows, the, and it doesn't mean that there's, there's, I mean, I've seen other black women on MSNBC that are much more qualified and better. I mean, I like what they say, um, but all of this festers on. If the media can't 
do what they do and have things? How can the general public? Um, and and that's why everything turns into if if you do have a convert, it's not even a conversation; it's a fight. It immediately is fighting words. And I know myself, if I start something off and say, what about, you know, illegal aliens? You're a racist, they're not illegal, no one is illegal. It's like, no, you're right, but why do you then want to make them legal? (laughs) That's your argument. If no one is, well, you can't make somebody legal unless they've done something illegal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. And the media, and and I hate to say it, but I really blame you know, both sides. And I even hate saying that too, because there, there really shouldn't be both sides of news media. You know, in, in my perfect world, reporters are as unbiased as possible and provide, you know, factual information. You know, their goal should be to educate people with the truth and with a thorough investigation that the media is descended into this. It's entertainment now. And it's really sad. And I, I hope more people start to realize that. Because you shouldn't be watching news for entertainment. You should be watching news to be educated. And, and that's, you know, I think like, just like you said, you know, one of the reasons immigration, the immigration issue is, is so contested is that people aren't getting the truth. And it happens on both sides. And it's really sad. You know, obviously the, the left media wants open borders and amnesty and every illegal alien is just a um, choir boy. And then, you know, the other part of that problem is on the right you have people that are making ridiculous statements and, you know, they, they describe the immigration problem using pejoratives and, you know, they, unfortunately, a lot of times it turns into a racial issue and it's like, no, that, that's just as wrong. It's not, it's when you're talking about immigration, it's not a racial issue. It's not, it's not about, Oh, we got to get those Mexicans out of here, even though some people say that, but that's not what this is about. It's, it's about, adhering to the law and applying the law equally across the board, you know, and like if you can read any story online and even just Google anything, you know, one of the, one of the things I was looking at just recently was uh, Trump signed in some restrictions on, you know, visas. Right. And depending on what story you read, they talk about, Oh, this is horrible. This is terrible. You know, this is anti-immigrant you know, and so on and so forth. But if you really dig into it, he signed an executive order to limit, and there were a couple different ones that he, he picked, but H-1B visas, like there were some um, other visas that he restricted, uh, you know, some high-level performers and athletes and, you know, uh, other people like that. So if you really think about it, in a time of economic uncertainty, at the very least, you know, we could be heading into a recession or a depression, Yes, you do want to restrict immigration. You want the high-paying jobs to go to American workers first. That's the way it should be. There shouldn't be any issue with that. An American citizen, a lawful permanent resident, should get first dibs at a job. And if there are no American citizens or green card holders that want those jobs, then fine, let's open up to other people. But to read some of these stories about what he did, it, it <laughs> it, they make it sound like he's basically ending immigration. He's, he's stopping immigration. He's, you know, the term is, you know, anti-immigrant. Um, and it, you know, I think unfortunately, like you said, you know, people get, they get wrapped up in their own little silo and it's like, you're not, you're not paying attention. You're not looking at the bigger picture. You're just responding to a headline. And, and that's so, 
it's so dangerous. You know, and like you said, with, with, you know, Chris Wallace and stuff, it's like, you shouldn't be replacing reporters because of ratings. You should be giving reporters the better jobs because they're a good reporter or because they're providing factual information or they're a good journalist. But uh, it seems like that's all out the window, you know, and that's it's frustrating. You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, the, the questions never get asked properly or to the right person Yeah. because your, your point about, right. Why would you bring people into the country when you have people here looking for jobs, you know, qualified people here looking for jobs, but it doesn't, it doesn't get presented that way because if you, if you said to, you know, Chris Hayes or Rachel Maddow or any of these people, if you could flat out say to them, should we be bringing people in from India to fill jobs where there are people in, you know, Indiana who could fill them, but these people work cheaper and their answer would be no. And if you ask the public that, their answer would be no. <laughs> the problem is it, there, nobody ever gets to ask those questions. So it's easier to attack, whether it's Trump or whoever it is, you're anti-immigrant because you don't want these people to come in. And, you know, you could even take it down a level and, you know, should your brother get this job at Ford Motor Company or, you know, or should we give it to somebody from China? (laughs) And of course they're going to say, no, my brother should get that job. He's qualified. (laughs) But it never gets put to anybody in that regard. Instead, the question would be, should, you know, should Trump be anti-immigrant and restrict people who want to come here from coming here? (laughs) Right. And it's easier, you know, it's much easier to get the answer you want if you ask the question that way. Um, And that's why a lot of the surveys you see where people are, oh, yeah, I'm in favor of this, I'm in favor of is because the question, it's how they're asked. And that's what I did for a living for yeah. many years. Um, you know, was involved in that. And it's, it's so easy. To, I could get, I could put a question to get a questionnaire together by the end of it, 90% of the people would say Hitler was a good person. Now they wouldn't know they were describing Hitler until, or that we were talking about Hitler until the end. But if you form the questions the right way, people will answer it. In that way. I agree. And, you know, the other thing too, just to kind of touch on the one point you said, you know, it's funny that a lot of the same people that are, you know, pro open borders, pro uncontrolled immigration, you know, whatever it may be. A lot of times there are a lot of the same people that talk about, you know, college debt and, and things like that. And, you know, they talk about affordable housing and, and, you know, getting jobs for, for recent college graduates and things like that. And one thing that nobody ever talks about is if, if you go to college and you get yourself in debt for the, a high-end degree, right, you should be absolutely against the government bringing in high-level workers because not only are you competing against other people that have your degree, now you're competing against foreign workers who may have a higher level of education but are willing to work cheaper because, one, either they may go back to their country, or two, they're on a work visa and they're employed by another company that pays them a lot less. So, you know, again, a lot of the problems that, we, that people are complaining about 
are affected by immigration. You know, kids that graduate college with these expensive degrees that can't find work or are underpaid. Well, why do you think that is, right? And it's not 100%. You know, not every college kid that can't find a job is unemployed because of illegal immigration. That's not what we're saying, but it certainly doesn't help. And then people that can't afford housing, you know, we, there's no affordable housing. You know, we can't, we can't live in San Francisco. Okay, that's fine. But why? Why is that? You can't afford the housing because too many people want to live in that area. So again, what good does it do to bring in form to bring in more people at a time when people are having a hard time finding work, when housing is outrageously expensive in certain parts of the country, and when college debt is increasing rapidly? So, I mean, just think about those three things, right? So, if you believe in in that in those three things, which are a problem for a lot of people. You should be absolutely against <laughs> extra foreign workers coming into the country. <laughs> you know, they're, they're competing for your job. And again, like you said in the beginning, those are jobs that Americans want to do. So not only are Americans competing for jobs that are maybe low-level blue-collar, but now there's a system in place that allows foreign workers to compete for the high-end jobs. You know, and it's certainly not every job, and it's, it's not every company, and it's not you know, across the entire country, but it doesn't help. You know, if you have 50,000, 100,000 workers coming into the country, whatever the number is, because it, it fluctuates, that's, that's potentially 50,000 Americans that have been displaced or are underemployed because now instead of getting paid what they're worth for the degree they have, now they're competing with a foreign worker that is more than happy to work for minimum wage because minimum wage in the United States is probably 10 to 50 times better than minimum wage in their country if there even is a minimum wage. So you really got to think this stuff through. And especially when it comes to immigration, none of, none of this, none of these immigration issues happen in a bubble. You know, you, you have to take a step back and say, okay, I can be pro-immigrant, but to a point, you know, it, not, not wanting to have open borders and not wanting to have uncontrolled immigration doesn't necessarily you know, make you anti-immigrant. It just means that you're realistic. You know, there, there's a, there's a time and a place for controlled immigration, but what some of these candidates are advocating for is, is just chaos. I mean, we've talked about it before, but there's so many reasons for it. And I wish more people would understand that, you know, that just the things that you're upset about, the things that you're struggling with in your daily life are affected by immigration, you know, it's it's more traffic. It's harder to find housing. It, it, it's well, harder to the, find jobs. You know, you know the, in a nutshell, uh, you know, Mary Jones uh, got a STEM degree. She's two hundred thousand dollars in debt. She can't find a job because the job was filled by an immigrant from China. Yeah. So the solution is pay off Mary's college debt. And give her food stamps and Section 8 housing while, because it's so expensive while she's trying to find a job. And eventually she finds a job, you know, working at McDonald's, yeah. <laughs> despite that she has this degree because all the people we're bringing in on, you know, these work visas are willing to work for 30, 40 percent less <laughs> than what she would want. And if you just put it in that context, Right. You have to say, well, why would you do that? (laughs) You know, under any circumstances, why, why would you, every step along the way is the wrong decision. 
Right. All because you want to bring somebody in from another country. Right. That, that, you know, and, and then of course the excuse, then they all say, well, but you know, look at, you know, Sergey Brin or look at, or this guy who started this company. Right. And it's like, well, okay, well, if that's the logic, then you have to say, we have to let everybody in because somebody in that group may come up with the cure for cancer if they're in the United States. <laughs> right. But that's, well, you know, that's, that's an absurd way to think of things. Right. No, I, and I mean, to kind of touch on that point real quick, they do talk about Sergey Brin and they, they do talk about a lot of the immigrants that have started these famous companies, you know, even Elon Musk is from South Africa, I believe, but that, that in and of itself is a trick that they play often in that Sergey Brin, yes, was an immigrant. Elon Musk, yes, was an immigrant. No question. Right. And we absolutely are a better country for having people like that here, but I have no problem with immigrants. Right. And that's where we need to, <laughs> we need to clarify things. The majority, I would say nearly all, or anybody that's sane, doesn't have a problem with immigrants. And when we say immigrants, we're talking about legal immigrants that have followed the system that have been admitted to the country legally, right? Because I'm pretty confident Elon Musk is not an illegal alien. I'm pretty sure Sergey Brin isn't an illegal alien. So the idea that because, you know, a handful of people in the entire world are geniuses and have created amazing companies and they happen to be immigrants just because those few people exist is not a reason for us to just open the borders and say, there are no laws, there are no rules. Every immigrant around the world is welcome. It, it doesn't work, you know, and that's, that's a trick that they pull. They like to, they like to say immigrants, you know, and it, you got to be careful with that because it's not everybody's an immigrant in the legal sense, you know, obviously in the general sense, the dictionary sense. Okay. Yes people that come to live here are immigrants. But in our context, when you say immigrant, that to me means a legal immigrant. But what we're talking about and what we want to differentiate is between illegal immigration. And that's the problem because immigration implies that it's controlled and it's legal and it's authorized. And by controlling the immigration system, you can control how many people you let in the country. If we have if we're overcrowded, we can, we can slow down the flow. If we need people that have a certain skill, we can allow more people, we can allow more of those people in. Gavin Newsom the other day, you know, basically said there, there's no money in the piggy bank. I don't know if you saw that, but you know, in this age of shutdowns and unemployment and everything else, you know, president Trump signed an executive order saying we're going to extend unemployment. The federal government's going to pay $300 and each state is responsible for a hundred dollars a week in unemployment benefits. And Gavin Newsom's response to that was, we can't afford that. Okay, maybe. And I realize it's a lot of money. And I, I've, I did read some stories that said it would cost something like $700 million per week, which that seems kind of high to me. I haven't been able to, to verify that, but I, I've seen that number in a couple of stories. But regardless of what the number is, he can find money to pay for illegal aliens, right? He, he's willing to pay for illegal alien unemployment. He just, you know, famously gave out $150 million with no questions asked, which, you know, I think 75 or 80 million was, you know, state money. 
he's giving free healthcare to illegal aliens. He's giving free healthcare um, to almost anybody, really. So it's like, well, doesn't don't people see the irony in this? Gavin Newsom trips over himself to give out freebies to illegal aliens, whether it's healthcare, whether it's unemployment, whatever it is. But when it comes time to actually paying for American citizens to paying for their unemployment, and which in large part he caused, right? Because he refuses to open the state. So he's purposely keeping people out of work and then saying, well, we can't afford to pay you. Well, okay. There's something has to give here. You, you can't keep giving out money like it's going out of style to people that have no legal right to be here and then say, well, you're an American citizen. You're trying to get a job, but I'm not going to let you work, but I'm also not going to pay you. You know, I, I, I don't under, I don't know what it's going to take for people to wake up and, and catch on to that, you know, but the news media certainly doesn't report it. You know, whenever he talks about giving out freebies to illegal aliens, it's always the best thing in the world. And then when he talks about not being able to afford to pay American workers, it's like, oh, Trump's a bad, uh, it's Trump's fault. Trump's fault. Well, <laughs> hey, which is it? You know, like I. Well, they've created they, they've created a false message that illegal aliens are positive contributors to the California economy, so that they so they deserve this just as any other citizen would. Yeah. The problem with that, of course, is it's not true. <laughs> right. They're they're. A massive drain, financial drain on the California economy, and and they won't admit that. I mean, when he gave out that money, and yeah, it was about eighty million dollars of taxpayer money. Um, you know, his comment was that well, they pay two and a half billion dollars in taxes every year, which I won't even argue whether that's true or not. I'll give him. I'll. You know, be happy to stipulate. Okay, fine. But we spend about thirty billion dollars in services to to them, but that never comes up. Right. The reporter never asks the question. But what does it cost to have them here? And you know, so it's oh, they pay that in taxes. They do jobs people won't do. They're very nice people. They work hard. You know, all these all these other things. Um, and obviously, if you could snap your fingers and no, none of them were here anymore, and that $30 billion is about a net figure, not a gross figure, um, what would the state be like if they had an extra $30 billion a year <laughs> either to spend or to reduce taxes, which would then keep people, you know, everything plays upon itself if, if people's taxes were lower good middle-class people wouldn't be leaving. Businesses right. wouldn't be shutting down and moving to other states because it's a lot cheaper. So, you know, you, you've, you've made, made your own bed. Now you have to lie in it. And, but I'm not going to tell anybody. And the media doesn't tell anybody. Right. They just, oh, they're, you know, they're such contributors. Look, when you read a story about somebody being deported, and the story is always, you know, Jose has four children and he's the breadwinner of the family and he's the, who will support the family if he's deported. And the answer is the same people who are supporting it now, which is the taxpayer. Right. Because his, the money he makes at his job is not supporting the family. Right. And, and why does he have four kids? And, you know, so it's, it's it's just the same thing over and over again, and and 
You, you can't get that information to the public. And look, the public may say, you know what? I don't mind spending all that money. But they don't say that. They actually think it's saving the money. Right. Um, and, and it's not the public's right anyway to say, well, I don't care if they break the law because they're nice people. Well, that you don't get to say that, Mr. Public. Um, <laughs> it's the, the law is the law. And, if, and again, if we're a nation of laws, and if, as every Democrat says at least five times a day, no one is above the law, yeah. but somehow they ignore the 15 to 20, 25 million people that are here illegally that are above the law, um, you get the mess you got. Yeah, that, that's that's another little devious trick they like to play. You know, it's it's changing the language. And, and that's, that is so evil because that is absolutely intentional. You know, when you have politicians using certain words and using certain phrases, they're actively trying to change people's opinion. I, that should scare anyone to death, you know, because like I said, freedom of the press is a, a fundamental right of the United States that very few other countries have. And, and we're just throwing it away. I, I often wonder because I've gotten so deep into the immigration, legal, illegal immigration issue, and I see what you're just describing, it makes, it does make me wonder, right, can I believe this? And I'm, I'm a news junkie. I mean, I look at a lot of sources and a lot of things, and, and I'll read something, and I, I, I don't know <laughs> if, if, right, if you would lie about this, why wouldn't you lie about this? And a lot of times it's people who say, well, they, they don't lie. And I am a, a lie of omission is still a lie. <laughs> and if, if you refuse to tell something that would change the nature of the story or somebody's reading of the story and you know that it would, and that's why you don't print it, that's a lie. <laughs> plain and simple because a lot of people oh, well I expect newspapers or I expect the news to be biased that's not be, being having done this myself for 15 years being biased is typically involuntary you don't really realize that you've done something until somebody goes back and looks at it and studies it right. and says you know we looked at your stories last year and you, you ran you know, 80% of your stories were then it's like, oh, God, I didn't even know that. And and your reaction as a publisher, like mine was, if somebody did bring it up, was we gotta fix that. <laughs> in in most of these guys' cases, that's not what's going on. They've purposely said we're not gonna cover this or we're not gonna talk about that. I mean, when you run a story and you don't you know, you, you identify the car that, you know, oh, it was a Toyota Camry that the guy was driving that killed this person, but you don't identify the fact that the person was illegal. Well, what difference does it make what kind of car it was? But then you don't think, well, the fact that he was illegal was irrelevant. No, it was not irrelevant. I mean, we had a situation, one of, one of the you know, the board members of AVIAC, the organization that I, you know, have. Um, her son was killed in Massachusetts. And um, uh, Duval Patrick was the governor at the time. 
and she went to some meeting that he was at and got up and said, my son was killed by a drunk illegal alien and whatever. And he, this is, this is the mother and he shoots back at her and nothing to do with the fact that he was illegal and had everything to do with the fact that he was drunk. And like, really, you would say that? To, first of all, you shouldn't say it to anybody that just lost somebody, but you certainly shouldn't be saying right. it to somebody when, it's, when it had everything to do with it. He was illegal before he was drunk. Right. If he wasn't here, it wouldn't have mattered that he right. was drunk. And in my case, my son, the guy wasn't drunk. So what's what it was just an accident? No, it wasn't an accident. He shouldn't have been here. He shouldn't have been driving. Right. But that's the mentality. These oh no, we have to hide that from the public. We can't let the public know. And then we're going to tell them when we want to give them driver's licenses, it'll make the road safer, even though every bit of evidence shows that it doesn't. And the evidence is dead bodies. <laughs> it's right. not, oh, I did a study and this they're going slower and this is no, the bodies are piling up. <laughs> so how are the roads safer? But again, the, the media will not tell you that. When when they write a story, New Jersey's giving a driver's license or New York is giving driver's license, and I'll write to them and say, you know, you're writing this story and you're quoting you know, whatever the guy is who's introduced the bill, that it'll make the road safer. And here's the evidence. Here's every state that has done this from day one. And in every case, traffic fatalities have massively increased. Right. Yet you won't print that. In, you know, it's okay for Joe Smith, the congressman or not congressman, senator, state senator from wherever, to say what he wants to say, but challenge him. Right. Well, okay, Joe, I see you're saying this, but here's the here's the st statistics on all the states. So when you don't do that, and that's why I write to people, even though I know they're not going to write back, that's, you're now lying. You wrote a story. Right. You left out the most important part of the story, which is, no, it does not make the road safer. And here's the proof. Right. And you did that on purpose. That's a lie. That's not bias. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, speaking of New York, and this is off topic a little bit, but one of the things that I always talk about that never ceases to blow my mind, especially in New York, right? They're talking about giving out, and actually I think they've done it to be, and I know they've done it now that I think about it, but they're giving out driver's licenses to illegal aliens in New York, right? Yeah. And they went so far as to write the law so that Homeland Security doesn't have access to the driving records of the illegal aliens that get licenses. Now, obviously we're both opposed to that for a myriad of reasons, but for the average person, they see that and go, well, they do have to get to work and they do have to, you know, take their kids to school. So yeah, that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't want someone to get arrested just for taking their kids to school and get deported. Right. That, that's kind of the thought process for someone who doesn't really understand the bigger picture, but I want to remind people that it wasn't that long ago 9-11 occurred and those guys were in the country illegally. Some of them had driver's licenses. Some of them didn't. You know, some of them were here on tourist visas and you know, some of them were students. So it was kind of a mixture. But the entire Department of Homeland Security was created as a response 
to the lack of information sharing between the various agencies. So the 9-11 hijackers were allowed to kind of float under the system. And had they been deported or even brought to the attention of some law enforcement, 9-11 may not have occurred, right? Or may not have been, maybe they wouldn't have got as many planes as they did, or, you know, who knows what would have happened. But they, California did it too, but New York just now did it also. If the 9-11 hijackers were to show up in New York today, they would be given driver's licenses. And not only would they be given driver's licenses, their identities would be shielded from ICE, from Homeland Security, from, you know, whomever, right? So something as simple as deporting an overstay, which a lot of people like to say, well, they're just, they overstayed a visa. That's not a big deal. Well, okay, you're right. But in this case, how many thousands of people were killed on, on a single day? How many, how many of our guys went overseas and got killed how many tens of thousands got wounded seriously and lost limbs? How much money did we spend on two wars because of 9-11? All because immigration didn't do its job in, you know, 2000, 2001. And New York has now legalized a system that almost encourages that same scenario to happen again. And frankly, for any other state that gives out licenses to illegal aliens, because the big problem with that is the activists like to use the term undocumented. Okay. So let's use their term for a minute, right? Undocumented. That means they don't have any proper documentation. So how are they getting a driver's license? Right. If, if they don't have documents, right. What are they using to get a driver's license? Right. The people that are coming here illegally often don't have documents from their own country. Right. Because they're, the reality is a lot of people are very poor. And they don't have driver's licenses. And a lot of people, depending on the country, don't have birth certificates. So how are we supposed to prove who someone is if they don't even have documents from their own home country, right? Much less people that want to deceive the system. So, you know, again, when they talk about this stuff, you got to think it through. You got to follow it through to the logical conclusion because it's only a matter of time before some terrorist takes advantage of that system and gets a driver's license legally and then is protected from ICE or, you know, Homeland Security, whomever is looking for him, New York is going to say, nope, you can't have that documentation. And, and California does something similar. You know, California also restricts ICE from accessing driving records. So what are we doing? Like, <laughs> they, it's it's so beyond my comprehension that we even have that we even have to have this discussion. There, there's there's not a responsible parent in the United States that would allow someone to babysit their child if they didn't know who they were, they didn't know who, where they came from, and they didn't know what they did before. <laughs> right. They came before that. You know, before they came to babysit their kid. Right. Nobody would ever allow me again, nobody responsible would ever allow that. The reality of it is, if you just you know stepped outside and the first person who walked by you said, "Hey, can you come in and babysit my kid for two hours?" The odds are nothing bad would happen, right because most people are okay. But would you do that? No, of course not. <laughs> right. No, you know, it's 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 insanity to think that. Yet those same people are willing to say, oh, 
you can come into my country. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you did before. It's unlikely that the person walking by your house also happens to be, um, you know, a, a pedophile. Right. But it's not unlikely that people trying to get into your country illegally are at the very least criminals. Right. Because they can't get in legally. And at the very worst, terrorists. Right. <laughs> and particularly the way terrorists work, as going back to your, you know, 9-11 analogy, they hang around for years before they do anything. Right. So we have no idea who's in this country right. who could be here because they came in dragging a little kid with them. <laughs> then we let them go and then they disappeared. And now they're getting a driver's license. <laughs> they're getting a check because they're out of work. Right. Um, we're giving them, you know, all this support and they're sitting back there learning whatever the next crazy thing they might do. And it may not happen for two or three or four years. Right. But it, it, right. So it's hard to get people to understand it just because you don't see it today. I mean, just think about it. If you had a criminal record in the United States and you wanted to flee the United States and get into another country, you're not going to try to get in. You're not going to file papers <laughs> to get in legally because you're going to get caught. You're going to try to sneak in. Right. So it, with all the good quote good people that are coming in, you get with them, and you know it's no different than all the the uh, protesting slash riots we're having. Most of the protesters aren't rioters, but the rioters hide among the protesters. Right. So when the time is right, they can riot right. and loot and do all these other things. But the majority, I'll agree with most people saying the majority of the people out there aren't rioting. Does that make it okay for the, you know, for the 10 or 20% maybe that are? And then, so it's the same thing here. You, you can't, you're, you're saying, oh, people are fleeing Honduras and El Salvador and Guatemala because the country's so bad yet they're leaving the door open for the people that make those countries bad to right. come to the United States. It's just, you know, mind, mind numbing. And right. you know, so. No, and to drive that point home for anyone that thinks that this is far fetched, and I'm going to put the story in the show notes among some other things, but I think you remember this a couple of years ago, there were 50,000 passports intercepted in Germany that were manufactured by ISIS in Syria. Now, that sounds bad enough, but what people overlooked was the fact that ISIS took control of the official Syrian passport production facility in Syria. So what that means is ISIS, right, one of the worst terrorist groups we've seen in a long time, was manufacturing absolutely legitimate Syrian passports. They manufactured so many of them that the German officials caught 50,000, right? They, they, they intercepted 50,000 ISIS-manufactured Syrian passports. Now, is there anyone on the planet that thinks that the 50,000 passports that the Germans intercepted 
are the only passports that ISIS manufactured, right? So to take it a step further, what that means is ISIS had control of the Syrian state, the Syrian equivalent of the State Department. So in a sense, they could make a passport for anybody for any reason and enter it into the official Syrian system. So that passport, for all intents and purposes, would appear to be a legitimate Syrian passport printed on official Syrian passport paper, right? So ISIS controlled the Syrian passport database. Now, what was happening about that time a few years ago, right? There were mass migrations from the Middle East to all over Europe and even to the United States. We, I know we talked to a lot of people that, you know, work for Border Patrol and things like that, and they were seeing people from the Middle East claiming refugee and asylum status at that time. And guess what? Because they were non-criminals, they were admitted to the country and forgotten about. They weren't held in custody. They were just let in. And I don't know that anyone ever kept records of how many were from Syria. And I, I don't have those numbers. But that's the system that's being created. So now, let's say those people that came from Syria with an official Syrian passport, and I'm using air quotes, but let's say 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000, whatever it may be, but we saw what four hijackers could do. So what happens if there are 100 hijackers that have affiliations to ISIS but have legitimate Syrian passports? Where do you think they're going to go? Are they going to go to a state that doesn't give out driver's licenses to illegal aliens, that enforces immigration law and works with federal officers? Or are they going to go to a state like New York or California that's going to protect them? And in those states, actually, even in California, if you have legal documents, you can get not even an illegal alien license. You can get a real ID, depending on what you have. And does anybody think that the California DMV or the New York DMV, for that matter, has any experts on foreign passports? Like, I, I know for a fact mm-hmm. that what California does, if you provide foreign documents to get a driver's license and they can't verify it, they don't do any research. They just give you an affidavit and they say, here, are these documents legit? And you just say, oh, yeah, of course. And you sign a paper <laughs> and off you go. And, you know, without getting too far in the weeds, I know you did a, some research on that, but like I, I've in the, the travels that I've done, I've been able to speak to some DMV people and they've said the exact same thing. So I've heard it firsthand from DMV investigators that that absolutely is the case. So you basically just have to show up in California and I'm sure New York is the same way with any kind of BS document, maybe potentially a passport manufactured by ISIS and now you're home free. Like, does that make sense to anybody? Like, you know, what we're talking about is not just someone that's here to work and here, you know, to, to cut grass or to sell fruit on the corner or just to raise their kids. Yes, those people exist, but if you accept that, then you also have to accept the fact that we're just allowing terrorists into the country and we don't even know who they are. We don't know where they're at. We don't even know what their true identity is because they provided some BS document and the state DMV just accepted it without question. And that is another thing that should frighten anybody because last I checked, 
I don't think the 9-11 hijackers cared what political affiliation you were or what race you were or what gender you were. They just knew you were an American and you were targeted because of that. So black, white, gay, straight, male, female, Republican, Democrat. I'm sure every one of those people got killed on 9-11. So we're, we're, we're setting ourselves up for the same disaster. And it's amazing how quickly people forget I, it, it, it's, it's one of the things that leaves me speechless because I, I can't believe that we have to have this discussion. Like, I can't believe that this is even something we would discuss. Um, it's mind boggling to me. And it, it, it frustrates me that more people aren't aware of that and more people aren't willing to, to stand up to people like, you know, Gavin Newsom and Cuomo and de Blasio and all these guys. It's like, especially in New York, you know, that's where nine 11 occurred and how many New Yorkers were killed, how many families were destroyed you know, how many firefighters and, and police officers died after the fact because of that attack? It, it's, it's in the thousands of people. At, I, I think it may be close to 10,000. I, don't quote me on that, but I know it's in the thousands of people that have died of horrible cancers and horrible diseases. And they, a lot of them were young people, you know, middle-aged that had families, you know, the, the firefighters that rushed into the building and tried to save people or the, the people that were trying to, to dig through the rubble. You know, what kind of disservice is to them to say, you sacrificed your life trying to save people. And we're more concerned with protecting people that may potentially do the same thing again in the future. I mean, isn't that just the ultimate slap in the face to, <laughs> to the victims? You know, and I know it seems like it was a long time ago, but 10, 20 years in the grand scheme of things is a drop in the bucket. <sighs> <laughs> Exasperating. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to people that tell me our security today is worse than it was on 9-11. <laughs> so all the, the, either the changes that were suggested, many of them have never happened. We have more countries that we have, um, I forgot what the program's called, you know, when you don't need a visa. Right. Um, I think we had like 12 then, now we've got 35 or something yeah. like that. And, you know, it, every, it's, it follows through everything. It's just the, the, the groups that put pressure on people and are willing to pay them off. And they, uh, you know, they, they are our lovely government, regardless of whether it's Trump today or, or Obama yesterday or Biden tomorrow. They just, uh, they collapse or, or if they try to do something, they're collapsed around them. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, I don't think there is an answer. Well, there's an answer. It's just the answer doesn't, the questions never get asked for the answer to happen. Well, that's, that's true. Well, on that rather depressing note, <laughs> I think maybe it's time to, to wrap up for this episode. But I think we, we've covered a lot, and we hope that you take what we said to heart. We hope that you do your research, because we're going to say it a lot of times. Immigration is a huge, it's a huge issue, and it impacts your life in ways that you don't even realize. So please do your research. Don't take anything the media says at face value. And please don't give up. 
I, I want to. I just wanted to add one thing when you mentioned immigration, because I don't want people to think that we, we're anti-immigration. Immigration can be good. Yes, it's just like rain is good. Too much rain is bad, right. <laughs> and too much immigration can be bad. It may yes. not. It may be. It all depends on, like rain. It depends on need. And it, and it depends on absorption. <laughs> right. If you can absorb the immigrants into your society, it's a great thing um, to have more people come here. But if you can't, or if you can't absorb them fast enough, like the rainwater creates a flood, and floods just do damage. Right. So it's it's just being realistic about things. And, and you know, I, I don't think there's very few people in the country that are you know, totally want no immigration. I'm sure there's some, but I don't think there's many. Um, but it, right, it has to be something you control. And that doesn't mean that there's not more tomorrow than there were was yesterday. But it also yeah. doesn't mean there's not less tomorrow than there was yesterday, depending right. on the need at the time. So that's that's it for me. <laughs> no, that's, that's a good point. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad you said that because, you know, I think just to make it perfectly clear, you know, when we talk about immigration, there are two halves to it. And just like you said, there's legal immigration and illegal immigration. And we don't have any issues with legal immigration. That's not absolutely not the problem. The issue is that the media and the politicians like to lump immigration in with illegal immigration. So that's the whole point of everything we're saying is that just be aware that there are two sides to this <laughs> and an illegal immigrant is not a legal immigrant by the legal definition. And that's where we draw the line. So we just want to make that clear. And hopefully I didn't uh, muddy the waters too much in anything I said, just to reiterate, <laughs> but um, I think that's a good place to end unless you uh, want to add anything else. Um, no, I'm, I'm talked out. All right. <laughs> Same here. Well, um, then I will sign us off. I, thanks everyone out there for listening. Um, we will put everything we talked about in the show notes. So thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Have a nice day, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please take a moment to rate and review us in your favorite podcast player. And please be sure to check out the show notes for any information you might have missed. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.